Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And as always, thank you for listening. If you are so inclined, Speak It On does have a Patreon page, and anything you would feel led to contribute to this ministry would be super appreciated. So, what kind of faith impresses God? What kind of faith impresses God? Think about that. So you may be going, well, I don't know what you mean. There's an awful lot of teachers and preachers and Sunday school reachers that um, have all kinds of ideas of what faith is. In fact, there's the word of faith movement where you kind of name it, claim it. That's kind of an old one. But in the biblical record, all right, in the Bible, what kind of faith made God go, whoa, whoa, that's amazing. Well, there's two specific incidences in the Gospels. Now, the, the first one I'm going to go to is in Luke 7.1. And this is the ESV I'm, I'm reading out of. So, it's... Describing Jesus in his behavior. And it starts with verse uh, verse 1. It says, After he had finished all his sayings, and in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death, and he was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal the servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built our synagogue. Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, he did not presume to come to you. Ah, excuse me. He said, therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word, and let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Now, this was, first of all, an amazing encounter for several reasons. 
Now, it's not unusual that Jesus would be in Capernaum, Kepharnahum in in Hebrew. In Capernaum is kind of Jesus' base of operations. He stayed there quite a bit. And this is in northern Israel. Now, here's the kicker. Jews and Romans, especially Roman soldiers, did not get along very well in general, under the best of circumstances. Uh, Why was that? Well, it's kind of a jail, you know, the the prisoner in the the guard kind of thing. (laughs) I mean, all the Jews were pretty much subjugated. And they didn't feel real warm, fuzzy feelings toward the oppressors, so to speak. But here's what's different. This guy, this particular centurion, and a centurion is a soldier, and he's in charge of a hundred men. So he's no small dude. That's 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 somebody with, with quite a bit of uh, push. Uh could he have sent a bunch of Roman soldiers? Says, "Hey, grab this healer and drag his rear end over here and 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 make him make him heal my servant." Yeah, he could have done that. Could have done it pretty pretty easy uh, if God allowed it. That is, but here's the thing: he didn't do that. It's amazing that he valued this particular servant so highly. To ask someone to come and actually heal him. Uh, now you can say, well, you know, this is probably the, the servant that did his taxes for him, you know, and, and kept all his finances. We don't know. Um, it would lead you to believe that he really felt some warm affection toward this particular servant. We don't know if it's male, female, we don't know. But it, uh, the servant mattered. Now, it's interesting that the centurion sent the elders of the Jews, all right, for him. Now, again, Jews didn't like Romans, and they didn't like Roman soldiers especially. So for the leaders of the Jewish community to do this, and not say, look, you can kill us if you want, but I'm not going for you anywhere. You know, I'm not going to do anything for you. They could have done that, but this is the leading, this is the elders of the leaders of the Jewish community there. And, the, and, and it seems like they were willing, super willing, to do this for the centurion. Now, it's 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 interesting, you know, they came to Jesus, okay, and they pleaded with him earnestly. In other words, they're not making it up. I mean, from their heart, they're saying, please, I'm, you know, we're really serious, please. He is worthy to have you do this for him. There is such a thing in the Jewish nation, in Judaism, as a righteous Gentile, all right? Um... If you want a modern day uh, example of that, uh, if you've ever heard of the movie Schindler's List, Schindler, who saved many Jews in the uh, well in World War II, 
in the Holocaust was deemed a righteous Gentile. Now, it just so happened, though, this particular centurion was what was known as a God-fearer, which means he did everything that a Jew would do minus becoming a Jew. He, he wasn't a proselyte. He was Torah observant. He went to the synagogue. He, he tried to learn Hebrew and read the scripture and, and, and so forth. So, which, by the way, wasn't back then, since everybody knew two or three languages, uh, it wasn't a stretch for someone to learn. But the kicker is, uh, it says, he, he, these elders say, he loves our nation. He loves our nation. And he built our synagogue. So this is clearly someone who's on board with the will of you know with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, and Jesus went with them. He you know, now here's the kicker: Jesus did not go to Gentiles directly. He did not. Not uh, now. If you want to kind of. Stretch it a little bit, you could say, oh, well, what about the Samaritan woman? Well, okay, yeah, but she's sort of not considered a Gentile because they were half Jewish. But anyway, you know, you could argue that maybe that's the thing. But but here's the issue. Jesus, when he was traveling around, if you look at the path he took from city to city, he passed a lot of Gentile towns to get to Jewish towns. He was focused on the Jews, no, um, because I mean he said himself, you know, salvation is of the Jews. The Jew first, and, and Paul was like, you know, salvation is you know Jews first, and then the Gentiles, and that doesn't mean Gentiles are second class citizens. But that means, look, this is where we're going first, and that's what Jesus focused on. Anyway, um. When yeah, Jesus went with them, and then it says, when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now, that's humility. Now, there's an extra level of it, though, and that's this. If a Jew comes into a Gentile's house, they become ceremonially unclean. He didn't want Jesus to have to go through that. Because you have to go through a cleansing situation in order to get yourself back into ceremonial cleanliness. So you didn't want to put Jesus through that. So literally, it's... I mean, you're talking about a guy who was in charge of a hundred soldiers, okay? I mean, he could have just dragged Jesus... He could have had his guys drag Jesus in there, you know, if God allowed that. But he did not go that route. And so the thing is, he says, look, I'm not worthy to have you come into my roof. And then he adds, therefore, I did not presume to come to you. So look, I'm a Gentile. Gentiles can cause you to be ceremonially unclean. I didn't come to you to stress your situation out because I understand, look, you know, I'm a Roman soldier and that would stress out your situation when you got a Roman soldier, you know, mixing with you and, and your crew. You know, it's kind of like, you know, 
if a police officer in full gear, you know, full riot gear comes in to shoot the breeze with you? Well, you know, people kind of notice. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's saving Jesus all that. But he also recognizes Jesus' authority. Because he says, uh, he says, you say the word and let my, see, and my servant be healed. So he, he knew Jesus could do it. He was on board with the living God. He knew Jesus could do it. He had no question. He said, for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, you know, so he's talking about the hierarchy. He knows that if he gives a command, it can be done. And so he is recognizing Jesus' authority from the living God. Now, this is Jesus' response in 7-9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And that word marveled in the Greek is absolutely, he is flabbergasted. He is amazed. It blew his mind. He was like, wow. This is amazing. In fact, it was so amazing, he turned to the crowd that was following him. He says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Uh, you cannot find a higher, a higher praise to a Gentile anywhere. I mean, you just, I mean, you just can't. Not from, not from the words of Jesus. I mean, it's absolutely amazing and then it says when those were who were sent returned to the house they found the servant well well yeah of course now the second example is a lady from Ty, you know the region of Tyre and Sidon again we're talking about Tyre and Sidon were cities on the coast and they're northern Israel in the area we would consider Lebanon now. Uh, Tyre and Sidon have interesting history because I think Sidon is actually the original city that founded Carthage, which is in northern Africa. Carthage was a super important ancient city. And if you remember a general by the name of Hannibal from uh, history, Hannibal was a Carthaginian general. He was from Carthage. But uh, Sidon uh, birthed Carthage, I believe. Now, um, so Jesus is in that area. And it says, uh, and this is Luke 7.10. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's Matthew 15.21. Yeah, Matthew 15.21. It says, Jesus went away from there and went and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and crying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he didn't answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, 
Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, in that situation, Jesus compliments her on her faith. He compliments her on her faith. Because in verse 28, Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. With exclamation mark. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, why is this so huge? Well, first of all, Canaanite. She's a Canaanite woman. And um, Jews didn't get along with Canaanites either because pretty much all of the indigenous Canaanite people gave them fits when they were taking over the land. And they were known for idolatry. And idolatry usually had fertility rites and drunken and wine parties and all kinds of other crazy stuff. That went down the drugs, rock, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll, uh, so to speak, uh, in that time. And so there were, you know, their their pagan worship was off the chain. So uh, they were the worst of the Gentiles in some in some respects. Now, what's what's different about this lady? Several things. The first thing is this: she says, "Have mercy on me." O Lord, son of David. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So first of all, she's calling him Lord. But she's also says son of David. How did she get that? This lady knew about the God of Israel. She knew about the God of Israel. And she knew about Jesus. Now, here's the kicker. He didn't even answer her. He wasn't going to answer her. Why? Because Jesus didn't deal with Gentiles <laughs> that much. Not if he could. Not if he could help it. That wasn't his focus. That wasn't what he was doing then. He makes it pretty clear. Now the disciples came to Jesus and begged Jesus to, to send her send her away. She's crying after us. So basically, she's just like. Please, please, please. She's pleading and, oddly enough, getting on their nerves. So, Jesus' answer to her was this. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's his focus. The Jews first. He was. That was his focus. Now, here's the kicker, though. But she came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. Now, he, again, he emphasizes it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, why is that significant? Because the children he's talking about are the children of Israel. These are the people he's focusing on, the Jewish people, the Hebrews. And throw it to the dogs. The the word dog in Jesus' day was a term for a Gentile. 
Now, that sounds pretty horrific, but here's the reason. Again, Gentiles were pagans off the chain. The morality level was a whole different thing. You know, I mean, uh, anything was game back then. Anything. And, and they worshipped tons of gods. Most of them had some kind of immorality in their uh, rites of passage and how you worship them usually had to do something pretty immoral. So, they really didn't have anything to do with them. I mean, at all. Now, here's here's where the table turns, though. Because she doesn't argue. She doesn't get mad. She doesn't say, well, you're full of it. She doesn't, she doesn't get bananas. Instead, she humbles herself and says, and, and agrees. It says, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She knows he's master. She knows and she recognizes that he's going... That she, she doesn't argue with him about him focusing on Jews and the Israeli population. She doesn't argue about that. She says, yes, but we will get the benefit we'll get the benefit too Lord of the work you're doing why is that? because the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob right? God will bless the world through the seed of Abraham well she knows some Jewish history and she's letting him know, look, I know where I am in the food chain, Lord. I know you're going there first, but the Gentiles are going to benefit. And we're going to benefit because of the work you're doing. Now, that may seem like a stretch, but because really, <laughs> what, what, what the Gentiles end up getting is nothing less than the salvation that that Jewish people have. I mean, through Jesus. I mean, it's awesome. And there's an equality in that. You know, Jew, Gentile, save free. Paul says it's all, everybody, the ground's level at the cross. Everyone is under Jesus. Jesus answers her and said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was instantly, or healed instantly. So, here's the question. Here's the question. What do you want to be known for? What kind of faith? Do you want Jesus to say, Man, you've got awesome faith. I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people where it is absolutely no question where the living God says your faith registers with me 
And it would be fantastic if Jesus would tell people in heaven, this guy had some faith. You want to see faith? He's got some faith. You know? And that can be said of you. Now, how did these people approach Jesus? With humility. Not with arrogance. With humility. But they didn't give up either. They approached him on his terms. On his terms. Not terms they demanded. But on his terms. They recognized who he was. And they gave him honor, and he rewarded them for their love and attention. That can happen. If we show that kind of faith, the miracles of the living God, the Spirit of God, can manifest to us. Maybe you'll get to see something as fantastic as these people did. But we won't know that unless we do this like they did. So, now with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on, but also to keep on speaking it on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word boldness and truth, and may God bless all of your